Well, it's here. This is the August podcast, gang. How are you doing? It's been a funny old time, hasn't it? I'm sorry this one's a little bit late. I was sort of holding out to see whether Adam could join me, but uh, I've just got Marley. That's what that is, deep breathing. It's not a pervert. Just join me. I'm not sat at a bus stop. That's my dog. Ran on over to see who I was talking to. And then uh, found out I was talking to myself, was not at all surprised and walked off again. So uh, that's my life. Welcome. So, yeah, so no Adam this month for August podcast. It was just me, myself and I. But you are very, very welcome. I tell you what, it's nice that some people are going back to work, but crikey, six months. Oi, it's been a bit much, hasn't it? I'm sort of feeling the, the burn a bit, I have to say. I'm going to be really honest with you, gang. I'm sort of feeling that... I don't know, it's just been a long old time in it, this with lockdown and everything. But I'm sat outside today, uh, so you might hear some planes. I'm hoping the wind's not going to be too bad. There's a few little gusts of wind, um, and you might hear the occasional car or tractor going past. I'm sat out the sort of front of the, uh, of the, of the house here. Uh, but there's a lovely sunshine. It sort of feels a bit autumnal now. Do you know what I mean? There's... I mean, I'm not skimpily dressed. I wouldn't dis- I wouldn't use the, the term skimpily, but I, I generally don't use the word skimpily at all, in fact. Uh, if I'm not without being flushed and embarrassed. Um, but, but I definitely am feeling the need to put more clothes on when I'm out and about. But listen, we've got a packed show. Even though it's only one or a person, it's only me, uh, so no more irritating questions from Adam this month. <laughs> but it's sad, you know. We have got... Uh, let me think, one more episode. September was the first episode. Uh, September 2019. That was the first sort of test episode Adam and I did to see whether or not you'd be interested in a podcast. And here we are, like 11 months later. Um, It's epic, isn't it? (laughs) It's been amazing. And I am broadcasting to over 40,000 people worldwide, literally worldwide. We've got the, 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 the ranking of listeners is the UK first, then America, then Australia. And then we get sort of smatterings of stuff throughout the world, including a little percentage in the Philippines. So hello, gang. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you are absolutely most welcome. And I'm going to make up for the fact that Adam is not with us today. Uh, but we've got a fairly, a fairly good show for you, you know. Um, and also exciting news about Series 2. Woo! Uh, we've got a little competition. Um, squeals of Delight uh, go here, please. Uh, Book of the Month. I'm going to do Album of the Month, uh, simply because Adam is not here to do it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some highs and lows, some stuff in the garden at the minute. Things I'm doing in my garden. There are some massive changes in the garden here. Uh, and a listener question about favourite tools. So, um, Adam's my favourite tool. Oh, 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 oh. So, <laughs> so I'll talk to you about which tools are my favourites. Uh, Adam's not here to talk about his, but um, we'll, uh, I'll guess. I'll make them up. I might even do a voice. I don't know if I can do Adam's voice. Did anybody else notice last month in July, I did an impersonation of Adam and he got a little bit narky? I sort of sensed in when I was editing it that I might have overstepped the mark a bit. He got a little bit. It's not my fault he sounds like that. He does. You know, I think it was a very accurate impersonation, but um, I sense maybe he wasn't very happy about that. But then I'm the same. I can't listen to myself. I can't look at myself on telly. I can't listen to myself on stuff. Um, I think I look silly and I sound even worse. So, 
you can't. Do you know what? I'm looking at a butterfly. There's a huge piece of verbena. I grew a wall of verbena balearisis. <laughs> balearisis. <laughs> I just make the plants up. Um, <laughs> the lovely tall verbena with the thin, hollow green stems, very, very slender, thin green leaves, and the burst of purple flowers at the top. It's a beautiful verbena. I grew a wall of it to separate uh, two areas of the garden, so the sort of orchard area, which uh, sometimes in the year can look a little scruffy, a little bit scraggly, um, when you know the wildflowers go over and the grasses perhaps dry out a bit. And the sort of the area where I'm sat now, which is a sort of surrounded by roses and a big purple border, looks out onto the lawn, and then either side of the lawn there are two long, deep, sweeping cottage borders. Um, just before it wraps around the house into a completely different area of the garden that sort of moves into a sort of wild uh, British countryside hedgerow sort of area, I guess. Um, then into a herb garden, then a jewel garden. Blah, 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 blah. You don't need to tour my garden. Uh, but coming back to this, verbena. So there's a huge wall of verbena. It's about six foot tall, I suppose. Um, how many feet is that? I'm not very good with size. I don't know how many feet that is. It's a lot of feet. Maybe, I don't know. Well, let me, if I was to imagine I laid people down that were six foot tall. Six, 12, 18, 24, 36. I don't know, that's maybe 50 feet, I suppose, of verbena. Um, and it's absolutely stunning. And there are loads of little butterflies. One's just caught my ear. It's just sat, just perched on there, sipping the, the nectar from the verbena flowers in the sunshine. And do you know what's lovely, gang, is actually talking to you about it. It's nice, isn't it, to be able to just get out five minutes. It's amazing how many people I tell to do this. Five minutes of your day just for stillness and you. And the amount of people that do it, I don't know, tiny amount. Because we get too used to the lives that we're they're living, aren't we? We sort of go off and do the things that we're doing. So, um, yeah, we don't do it. Anyway, that all got a bit nostalgic, didn't it? Sorry about that, gang. Um, so, listen... <laughs> Let's get on with it. Now, last month I was supposed to have mead. So what I thought I'd do this month is uh, talk... I'm so sorry I forgot it. And to be fair, I didn't forget it the first time round. It's just that Adam and I decided it was a bit pointless as I was going to his house like a day later to go and sort the bees out. It seemed silly to repeat the trip. Um, so I was going to perhaps bring mead and talk to you about it and sip it and drink it. Uh, but there are a couple of reasons I'm not going to do that. Firstly, it's 10 to 5. <laughs> Which, by anybody's standards, I mean, it is Saturday, I suppose, um, <laughs> by anybody's standards, is a little early to be uh, to be drinking. 14% spirits, neat. Um, you don't have to have it neat. But secondly, I thought, I really want to get Adam's kind of take on it. I want him to describe what mead is like. Uh, there's a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. Um, I found this 100-year-old mead recipe. It's uh, basically fermented honey. Uh, but it used to be the alcoholic drink before any other alcoholic drink was invented, before beer, before cider. It was um, the alternative to nasty drinking water, um, polluted and making you very ill. And uh, mead made you very merry. Um, so it's a lovely sort of ancient artisanal drink. I predict it will make a comeback if you get the opportunity. If you're an investor, gang, this is not formal investment advice. And all the usual caveats that go with that. But if you're an investor, you should definitely look at mead i think it's going to be the next big thing um so that's the sort of crowdfunding campaign there's been a few people that have dropped on it thank you so much it is immensely expensive to start stuff like this um but i'm what i wanted to do was do you know brew dog you know the beer brew dog i'm not a drinker at all but 
sort of what I do is once a month I have beer and pizza. That's sort of my let go day. Oh no, I'm such a rebel. I'm out, I'm out of control, gang. That's what I am. I'm out of control. Uh, so I have a, a beer, only the one, <laughs> um, once a month with a pizza. Because I sort of feel like with pizza you can't not drink beer. I don't know what it is about that. Um, I'm an addict, what can I say? Um, so, <laughs> so Brewdog have uh, some great beers. And what I decided was I would take a leaf out of their books and build a sort of community around this crowdfunding, around the idea of uh, creating mead uh, as a product. And it'd be lovely for you to get involved. So um, I'll pop the link in the um, in the description. But you can go onto the Indiegogo website, um, I N D I E Gogo, G O G O dot com, Indiegogo dot com, and search for British Mead. Uh, and you can read a little bit about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, I'm a big fan of history and preserving the past in order to protect the future, really. Um, and I think mead is a really important part of human heritage and, and our sort of past but I'm sort of rumbling on about it now so let's get to more of the sexy stuff I don't want to sort of self-promote um I thought I'd do a little reflection uh, reflection and a reflection I'll do both I've got time uh, on my sort of favorite moments from series one because as we come to the end now of series one I thought I'd sort of look back now my favourite moment of all time actually was September 2019 almost a year ago when Adam and I sat down with this project and um, we wanted to see whether or not it was something that you'd be interested in. And we sat in his garden and we filmed it. And the idea was to record every single one and put them on YouTube and link them to the podcast. So you could either listen to them or watch them. Or listen and watch. It'd be a bit weird only watching them and not listening, wouldn't it? But you know what I mean. You can either do it on podcast or whatever. Anyway, because Adam's on telly much more than I am, um, for whatever reason, I never quite got to the bottom of it, but there were complications around him being seen on telly or or you know outside of whatever i don't know it was all seemed a bit pointless and a bit precious to me but um uh, adam has to be a bit careful i suppose and keep the right people happy so we weren't allowed to do it anymore which is a bit of a shame which is why despite all of you saying how much you enjoyed that first episode and seeing us chat together and whatever um that's why we never did it again so but that was one of my favorites actually because it was so nice to chat and and when you can see people what is that it's like a runaway to Brighton or something. What is that? Like a seagulls or something. Um, a little bit lost. I live on a fen. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that because it's nice to be able to sort of look at you via the camera and chat to you. Um, and I was quite looking forward to doing fancy dress. Uh, but there you go. Um, I think another real favourite of mine was... I mean, any time that we've had a listener question has been lovely because not only does it prove that you listen, <laughs> no, there's somebody else there. <laughs> sort of sometimes feels a little bit like some weird therapy session when my therapist has said, OK, Jazz, you need to sit down with a microphone and expel your thoughts onto some recording device. Um, which is sort of a strange interpretation of my therapist because he's Welsh. Um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so... I think any time we've had a listener question, I've really enjoyed those. Um, I'll tell you that, actually, I think that was that maybe towards Christmas time, and we were talking about um, seeds. We did a couple of episodes where we talked quite a bit about seeds, but I never really felt we really got across just how much Adam and I love that process of taking something so tiny, like parsnips. I love parsnip seeds are just so tiny. They're like little flakes of they almost like really 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 small oats 
You know when you buy like a bag of oats for flapjacks? God, I'm hungry now. Fla I didn't actually do flapjacks today. It's only butter, isn't it? Golden syrup and replace the golden syrup with some honey. I might do that in a minute, gang. Um, well, not in a minute. We've got to chat for a bit, but that's what I'm going to do with the flapjacks. I've got a wicked flapjack recipe, by the way. Kathy Slack's a really good friend of mine. She's lovely. I love Kathy to bits. She's a cookery writer and chef and big foodie. She sort of hosts supper clubs, which is just an awesome idea. But she's big on organic, big on sort of um, vegetables and stuff. She runs something called Gluts and Gluttony. Uh, and uh, she basically grows loads of veg in her veg garden and then tells you what to do when you've got too much of stuff which she's a big sort of fan like me of reducing waste and working out what you can do to go sort of full circle if you're not following Kathy, you should go check her out Gluts and Gluttony we did something on my YouTube channel if you go to youtube.com and then search for Jez Rose um, or that Jez Rose is the, the you know channel link or whatever they call it um, we did a, a little mini series called Organic Eats and Garden Treats um, and uh, we looked at all the different ways that you can use veg and whatever. And she did this amazing sort of garnish with all the bits that you'd normally throw away, a combination of carrot tops and herbs, and it was really cool. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, yes, seeds, that's right. So parsnips. They're tiny little things, parsnip seeds, and then they grow into this massive, you know, vegetable with all the green stuff on top. I just think there's something about seeds, and it was coming towards Christmas as well, so we were sort of, you know, feeling pretty nostalgic and familial and cosy, and you'd said that the podcast was something you enjoyed listening to, and so I think we were beginning to feel quite, you know, it was a nice place that just before Christmas. Both Adam and I felt like we were doing something of value and that you were enjoying. We're still finding our feet, I mean, still are finding our feet, we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what appeals, gang. I don't know. Uh, listening to the chaos every month. But that talk about seeds, you know, it just reminds you how flipping amazing life is. I mean, it is just incredible. And for me, I've really struggled during lockdown. Um, I mean, I am Mr. Positivity. Like, I will spin anything into something positive, look on the bright side of things and sort of, I don't know, just to be a little more buoyant and connected with people. But because happiness is, you know, is a, it's fundamentally a choice, and it's for many people, it's all we've got. Um, so I think it's extremely important. I can't imagine a life without happiness. You sometimes meet the most miserable people, don't you? And I just, I honestly, I never get annoyed with them. I just feel immense sympathy for how difficult it must be to live their life, being so grumpy and cynical, and I don't know. It's that lovely Senate, isn't it? I had a teacher at school that um, used to have a, uh, um, a sort of philosophy, I suppose, of dignity, love, respect. And I think those are three wonderful things to, to live your life by. Um, so, yeah, the whole seed thing I thought was lovely. I just loved that, you know, thinking about growth and potential and future potential. I loved that. And actually, I think some of my favourite things have been listening to Adam. Don't tell him this. I mean, you know in very small doses obviously but listening to his album of the month because i really like how adam uses music or or how he relaxes with music and that's his sort of escape just to have that in the background when he's not in the garden that's his alternative you know that's almost the the qualifier you know the gold standard is get in the garden but if he can't be in the garden then he's got music on and that's his, his nourishment for his soul. And, you know, in therapy, uh, they talk a lot about self-care. 
and it's interesting because it's something that I don't see an awful lot of people doing. You know, we're rushing around being very busy doing nothing really, just living. Uh, there's not an awful lot to show for it. Somebody said something recently, we were walking through my garden. I, I've got, um, I don't know how many different areas of the garden. I've broken the site up into lots of different smaller gardens and flowing areas and whatever. And you can do that in your own garden. You, even if you've got a tiny little postage stamp of a garden, you can break it up into little areas. And I was realizing that I'd never actually seen some of the things that they were talking about because for me to get to one end of the site for the other I just walk through bits of the garden and obviously I'm thinking about the destination I'm getting to or the thing that I'm doing I'm not thinking about enjoying the garden so we were doing some filming at the farm a couple of weeks back and they were setting up and taking their time and so I just sort of I was ready so to kill time I it was a nice day I knew I was going to be indoors a lot doing this filming so I thought I would just sort of go around and you know walk around the garden a bit and it was absolutely amazing just to take a moment where I had nothing else to do I couldn't get started on something else because you know my job that day was filming and I just looked at the flowers and the plants and took it all in and walked around and it's really joyful and I hope you take time to do that even if it's just looking out of your window just take a moment boil a cup of tea um, or coffee if you really must, heathens. Um, <laughs> um, and just take a moment. Even if it's just five minutes, set your alarm if you want. And I'll tell you what is amazing. If you set your alarm for five minutes, sit down and just try and relax. You'll be amazed how quickly five minutes go. And you think, crikey, I need to owe more of my life to myself. Um, so, what else? Series one, let me think. It's been, i, I tell you what, it's been monumental. It, it's been really difficult for Adam and I to get together because um, he is a nightmare. Um, to get together with but uh, and we both have very busy diaries but just trying to think what else there is throughout series one that I've really enjoyed and it's been so difficult reflecting on this because I know it sounds terribly corny I've really enjoyed all of it I've enjoyed every single time I get to go and sit with my mate and have a chat and as difficult as it is and sometimes a little bit stressful to get together it's just been lovely um, I think a really good thing about Series 1, this is a little bit selfish, and um, excuse me for uh, a bit of self-indulgence, uh, but you're a part of this, gang. Uh, and that's when we were voted as one of the top five gardening podcasts by the Sunday Times. I mean, I was just over the moon with that. I mean, that is the last thing we set out to do. We didn't set out to create anything other than just an honest chat, really. So the fact that people had recognised it as something you wanted to do, that was really lovely, early on in the year. Um, what else was really good fun? I'd love to hear yours, actually. That would be a really interesting thing, wouldn't it? You should chat on social. So, at that Jez Rose. Um, you can pick up with Frosty as well if you want, at Frost at Work on Twitter. Um, uh, or Instagram, I think he's at... Uh, actually, do you know what? I should find it now no good just making it up is it you might get the wrong one but i'd love to hear what your sort of favorite moments from series one were flick back through them again if you want um yeah he's adam frost design on instagram uh at frost at work on twitter and across the board i'm at that jez rose um because i perhaps gave it a little more thought than adam did in terms of making sure that you could find the same person um <laughs> no, i miss him i just want to cuddle him now i can't wait till all this is off you know this nonsense with well, it's not nonsense, of course, it's been flipping dangerous, isn't it? And people have died, it's, it's not nonsense at all. But I think a lot of us are, are resisting and pushing back a bit just because it's affected our, our lives so much. Um, uh, so anyway, 
there's an awful lot, I think, of positive, interesting favourite moments from Series 1. Um, it's really hard to pick, you know, the individual things. Um, I think one of the things actually was really interesting was discussing some of the books as well. Sandy Toxovig's book really sort of hit a nerve because what was lovely is I flipping enjoyed it. I loved it. I love her so much. I just think she's a wonderful woman, incredibly creative um, uh, lady and humble and warm and just a bloody good broadcaster as well. But Adam, of course, had worked with her, so there was a lovely little link. You know, he did that Chelsea Flower Show thing with her. Um, so so that was nice. Um, and, oh, 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 I know. <laughs> that episode when Mrs Frost came in to see us. Oh, oh God, that woman. Ah, oh, yes. That is probably my highlight of Series 1. Mrs F. <sighs> Oh, oh, what a woman. Yes, and I didn't know that she was going to... She popped in to nag about some things, fairly normal. Um, but in the end, it turned out to be this lovely sort of... She didn't bring any tea, did she? I remember now. Maybe it's my second favourite. Anyway, so listen, Series 2, there is news. Woo-hoo! There is going to be a Series 2, gang. This is super exciting. I'm very, very excited to announce that there will be a Series 2 of Roots, Wings and other things. And Series 2 is a tiny bit special because, we're going to mix it up a little bit, Series 2 will have special guest co-hosts as well. So we are going to scour the land of gardening and uh, outside nature and well-being and health and broadcast and really not put too much of a finer limit on it um, but we're going to invite people to co-host the podcast uh, with us throughout series two for the next 12 months who I guess are kindred spirits so it's not like we're sticking only to other gardeners it's not like we're sticking to only other beekeepers or something like that uh, it just is people who get what we do you know people who love nature and being outside and the impact that nature has on us as much as we do and I'm really excited to share some of those voices as well so series two will be back woohoo um, in November because that is when we officially started series one so um, September of series one was like a little test uh, we missed October just to see whether it was you know anyone was going to listen to it or not and then we started in November so November is when we start series two um, I'm very excited to announce that so there you go it's a little scoop for you um and sincere thanks for those of you that were sort of badgering me about that and, you know, asking whether there was going to be a Series 2 or not. Um, it's really nice to hear that you enjoy it. And so, in order to celebrate the end of Series 1 and the beginning of Series 2, I have a little competition. And it's really easy to do. So, in order to enter the competition, you... I'm going to tell you the prize in a minute. You need to subscribe to the podcast... So you go to either iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is you get your podcast from and hit the subscribe button. And I will be monitoring the subscribe button. We've got quite a fancy piece of software that we use for the podcast, um, which shows me uh, where people are subscribing from and then links to the next bit. I need you also to review it. So you've got to put the effort in. I'm getting to the prize in a minute. Um... And the reason that you're going to review it is because I think it's really important that we let other people know about this podcast if it's something that ultimately we all believe in. And that's the only way we're going to get this going. So you need to subscribe. That's a really easy one. Next time you log on to your podcast, you just hit subscribe. That's simple. 
then just take two seconds to review it. And it could simply be, I love this podcast. That's it. I don't, you don't need like tomes. I don't have to th- even give it much thought. Hit the five star thing or however many stars you want to give it. That's entirely up to you. Um, honesty and integrity are probably an important thing about this whole exercise. Um, quick review and then share the podcast on social media. So what I mean by that is you can just say, I love listening to this podcast. It's called Roots, Wings and Other Things. Uh, or you can share a link to it. Yeah, so there's, of, there's often a share button on wherever you had your podcast, either on your app or your computer. And link Adam and I in. Now, if you don't tag us in, then we are not going to know you entered. And it won't link to the piece of software I've got, which says who subscribes. So three things you need to do. Hit subscribe, review and then share on social media, tagging us and Adam, the winner of this amazing competition. We'll get two amazing prizes. Number one, you will receive in the post a copy of every single book of the month from series one. Um, I can't do album of the month as well, I'm afraid, for various different legal reasons, but I can make sure that you get 12, although I think actually it's 14, because I think a couple of times I slipped up and had a couple of books a month. Uh, I'm quite a prolific reader. And don't have any friends. Um, so you get a big bundle in the post of one each of all of each of the books um, from series one, and this is sort of like a, a second bit of the prize. The main top prize is the opportunity to come as a special guest onto one of the episodes in series two. Um, you don't have to do it physically, but you are more than welcome. We can sort that out. You can either come to the farm here or to Adams, um, or we do it via um, the uh, magic of the internet. So an amazing prize, an opportunity to be a special guest uh, as our pod, as our competition winner on series two of Roots, Wings and Other Things, and a huge, great big book bundle of each of my favourite books in the month from series one. So all you need to do is subscribe to the podcast review it and then share on social media tagging both us and adam in so that we can know who it is that has entered um how fun and so that sort of brings me i suppose to um book of the month but you know what i'm going to hold off on that and just get back to some sort of you know content otherwise it's all going to be you know just me warbling on a bit so you know what i was going to ask you how you're doing um there's been some highs and lows for me over the last couple of months and this whole thing is dragging on a lot more I think than any of us hoped and I hope you're doing all right it's it's been hard hasn't it it's been hard to stay buoyant and positive I think we're all a little bit bored um it's lovely to have outside spaces and gardens and it's lovely to do that and it gets a little point where the future is something you start to be a bit more concerned about Um, because we can't do this forever. It's not like somebody's going to pay us to garden all the time or someone's going to pay us just to sit at home and do puzzles or, you know, it was kind of novel at the beginning of lockdown. I think we all embraced it. It was wonderful to see just so many people getting outside, whether it's running or walking to the park or, you know, had nothing else to do, gardening, um, thinking about changing the garden around. First time ever thinking, do you know what? Yeah, I've always wanted a garden. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go and create one or a balcony or whatever drink there sorry about that I'm realizing it's a little bit dry and warbling on i normally drink when adam talks so sorry about that um he's not here to talk so after you'll have to listen to me gurbling and slurping i might not even edit this you know i might just put it out there raw um we'll see so i've been sort of reflecting and and considering the future really because it's exciting to think about what our futures could be and i think a lot of people actually have been in this position where the COVID pandemic and also lockdown and self-isolation or 
um, the quarantining if you've been away has forced people to think about things differently. It's given us time, hasn't it, you know, to do something different. And I'm seriously considering the future as well. There are going to be some big changes to things um, that we do here at the farm, uh, really big changes. There are going to be some new things I'm going to explore doing uh, that will launch very soon. And I'll be honest, for the first time ever, I'm not entirely sure what the future is going to hold. A couple of sort of TV projects that we had to put on pause at the very start of lockdown, uh, which I'm hoping are going to pick back up again. Let's sort of talk about those, uh, you know, beginning to have meetings again about. And some new stuff as well. That That's all very nice. Um, but I'm just wondering if I might go off and do something else, you know. I've sort of a opportunity I suppose to look at other interests and you know train to do some other things and Adam often you know sort of jibes and teases me for the amount of things I've done in my life and it's not about not sticking with something at all it's about this wonderful opportunity there's no bookie that will give you odds for waking up tomorrow morning we're so capable gang so there's so much potential in the world for us to do something you know, carry on doing your job by all means carry on doing things but why not learn calligraphy why not learn sword fighting why not i don't know go and learn how to make candles or apple pressing or i don't know cross stitch or you know why not have a little mini business on the side making greeting cards or i don't think it just i mean those are just random things i've just thought of lord only knows why they're there but i'm not going to do any of those but you know, it doesn't, just because you're doing what you are doing now, it doesn't define you for the rest of your life. And it doesn't necessarily define you now either. We're defined by our dreams and our aspirations and by our value and purpose and worth and also by our output, by what we achieve. And I think it's okay for you to do the same thing all of your life. Of course it is. But I also think it's perhaps a little sad in the genuine sense of the word there's a sadness that i think people wouldn't embrace the ability to you know do something new or different it doesn't have to take over your life you don't have to you know be a qualified barrister and say oh do you know what yes that's it i'm gonna go and i don't know run a cafe but equally why not um you know i would rather get to 75 and talk about all the amazing opportunities i gave myself you know the cocktail bar I ran, the bee farm I had, the books I've written, the um, performances I've done, the instruments I've learnt to play, the, all of those things. Because that's what life's about, right? I would hate to get to 75 and regret not growing into somebody, you know, that, that had the opportunity to do more. So I find myself, you know, reflecting a lot and considering what the future um, brings and that actually has been brought into the garden as well because what's happening in the garden is that I'm looking at areas of the garden and thinking okay what else could we do with this and uh, what perhaps hasn't worked as well as I wanted it to work what could be you know if we if we change some certain things would it work better or not work better because now's a great time to be doing that sort of August September time coming towards the end of the season, sort of back end of it, where you can start to strip things out, you know, the tired things, the plants that are going over, they leave spaces, <clears throat> and you could be starting to plan maybe completely a different border. Wouldn't that be exciting? So, you know, we had the cottage border for a couple of years. What if we do something radical? What if we make a Japanese border? What if we make a, a border with only one colour in it? Um, what if, and I'm a big fan of this, it's just green. Um, I've got a sort of jungle woodland area, and... 
there's no flowers in it really to speak of. Um, I've introduced a couple, but I mean, I, I lost count at 23 different greens and it's just magical, just green. You know, it's, it's really stunning. So I think with, you know, when you look at garden spaces and you look at the areas that you've got, you've got opportunities to experiment with different types of plant as well. You know, you might have your go-to, you know, most gardeners have got their favorite plants, but, um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is a chap called Michael Perry, the plant geek. And uh, he's a really interesting guy to look at in terms of inspiration because of he looks particularly at lots of exotics and unusual plants. Um, and in fact, also, we've spoken about, Adam and I spoke about this before, about the Swine's Meadow. Um, Colin and Karen, uh, just around the corner from me, have this sort of rare plant nursery. And Colin's always got different or unusual things, not necessarily totally wacky or wild, but just an unusual take on something or a completely different colour that you've never seen before or bigger leaves or smaller leaves or, um, you know, plants that are, I don't know, in abundance in New Zealand or something and he's managed to bring them on and, um, and grow them, you know, protected for the sort of climate here in England uh, or in the UK. So you know broad, think a little bit more broader and differently and think yeah she do you know what maybe i'll i'll try something completely different maybe i'll put in you know that border three or four different plants or something um and think about you know what the future of your garden or your outside space or your you know pots on your patio or you know what could they be give them a lick of paint completely changes them i've done that this year with a lot of things painted a lot of things a sort of um soft gray color that we have i don't know that sounds a bit sort of tweet doesn't it everyone's gone for gray gunmetal grays like this sort of, i don't know sort of all the middle classes have stripped out b and q of well, they're probably not b and q farrow and ball or somewhere of all the gray um but gray is one of the sort of brand colors that we use so with a very particular grey, um, I painted lots of different things and they just accent, it really makes the greens pop and the colours stand out. So, you know, as you sort of reflect on your own life, I think it is influenced by what you do. You know, I'm out in the garden today and the last few days trying to work out what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, where my life could go. And actually I found that being in it, you know, being indoors and thinking about it and trying to work out the future and trying to plan it actually hasn't worked. It got to the point where I thought, crikey, I literally have no idea where we go from here. You know, month sixth, sixth? <laughs> What's that all about? Month six, and there are still rises in coronavirus. There are still countries that, you know, you have to quarantine if you come back from. Still countries that you're banned to go to. There are still businesses that haven't gone back to work yet. There are still offices that are working remotely the world's changed fundamentally and there's no future like guarantee there's no plan there's an awful lot of people that have no idea what's going to happen you know and we'll blink and it'll be christmas and we'll all be saying to each other you know no presents this year we're gonna have to really cut back um or perhaps actually some of us might have to go to food banks to find you know and supplement our christmas dinners I'm considering actually inviting some people here that I don't know. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate here that I have a very big space and I could potentially fit, I suppose, 30 people in the barn, but that all depends on coronavirus as well, right? So, yeah, I don't know, it's all a bit weird. But that, in a point, is okay. You know, this is what I'm trying to get at, is that you don't have to have the answers for the future. But I have found that going just pressing pause and going out into the garden and not even thinking about anything 
has been really important. If you don't have the garden, then it's the window, isn't it? Or it's tending to the bonsai trees that you've got, or tending to your house plants, or but just actively doing something, not just looking at them, so it loses you. You know, taking off the the lower leaves, taking off the stems, maybe repotting them, feeding them, loosening up that soil a little bit, cutting off the sort of leggy bits, or going into the garden and trimming back some of those herbs. And yeah, it's just a it's a really really nice thing I think to just stop and reflect and consider let your mind wander a little bit and I don't think there's any better way of doing that that I've found than getting into the garden and just sort of I don't know metaphorically sticking two fingers up to it all and saying do you know what I'm I'm done for a bit and I find that some of the best ideas come to me when I'm you know when your mind's free you just let yourself sort of you know reflect a bit so I'd, I'd really be interested in hearing what your future's look like and what you're thinking of doing because I imagine some of you have probably lost your jobs and I'm very sorry that that will be the case but it will be the reality um, and I wonder if you've got a new job or if you're planning on doing something completely different or if this whole lockdown thing has made you realize you know what perhaps I wasn't happy doing what I'm doing I'm considering doing something else I'd love to hear those so chat to me on social media because uh, that's the only way we have to do that I'm just going to throw this ball for my dog because he's I think a little bit bored of listening to my voice and I don't blame him. You might be too. Um, so somebody on Twitter, Growing Mad Stephen, uh, and I wasn't sure whether he was growing mad, as in he was a gardener and mad about growing, or whether he was extremely tall or wide, I suppose, or whether he just wasn't very good at spelling and he was going mad. But either way, Stephen has an element of madness, whether it's going or growing. Uh, and he asked what our favourite tools were, because he he asked about uh, Adam's heart-shaped um, trowel that he often has on, on Gardener's World, which is a, quite a classic sort of, um, uh, uh, sort of horticultural tool, like a herbaceous spade thing. Um, and I've got my own real favourites, like go-to. But I'm a massive fan of Japanese tools. The Japanese have for centuries been making extremely sharp tools and they have a much more closer intrinsic way of, of tooling. Um, so all of their tools are bring you closer to the job in hand. Uh, they're about precision craftsmanship. You think about some of the um, sort of iconic things in Japan like Japanese puzzle boxes oh I love those I used to collect these years ago so they're Marley your breathing makes it sound like you're a dirty old man that's sort of circling me could you maybe not daddy's recording this podcast I love you too well climbing up there's not going to help anybody is it all right let's just do the ball um and Japanese puzzle boxes have beautiful, incredible craftsmanship because you have to slide one sliding panel, then move another part of it, and twist another bit, and then move another part, and then it opens. And often they've got beautiful wooden inlay and stuff, and you can't see the gaps or the seams. That's what makes them amazing puzzle boxes. Um, and, of course, that requires specialist tooling. The same thing about Japanese gardening. Very, very precise. You think about Zen gardens, you think about... Um, the um, Japanese Buddhist gardens, think about um, bonsai trees. It's very particular. And I find that all of the Japanese tools are extremely sharp and extremely well made. Now I go to, um, I've got something called a Hori, H-O-R-I, I think. I don't think it's double R-I, I think it's H-O-R-I. This basically looks like a dagger. Um, 
and it's a slightly beveled edge, blunt pointed, but you know, you, I mean, if you accidentally stab yourself with it, it'd probably hurt. It wouldn't go through you like a knife, but um, it's fantastic for weeding, getting in between like little gaps and stuff. But I use it generally all the time. It's my go-to grab instead of a trowel, instead of a, um, you know, a hand tool. I use that to dig holes. I use it to lift weeds. I use it to turn over bits of the soil. It's a really great multi-purpose, extremely hardy tool. It's called a horry. Um, and I guess you could look up for a garden dagger or something. And actually it's a posh version of what my grandma used to use. Um, so my grandma, I used to see her all the time gardening with an old kitchen knife. Um, and it did the same thing, you know, she'd do her pricking out with it, she'd dig little holes, she'd, you know, take cuttings with it. Um, and I always remember that. And when I first started gardening properly, I grabbed an old, you know, kitchen knife that I had and did that just as my grandma did. And then when I saw this horry, I thought, well, that's a nice sort of upgrade that's a bit more sensible and a bit bigger. They're, they're nice and big, really wide and, and long. Um, so that's one of my favourite tools. The other um, favourite tool is, is Japanese secateurs. And there are a number of different providers. There's one in particular at one place is my sort of go-to, um, uh, which is Nawaki, N-I-W-A-K-I. Uh, there's a guy called Jake that runs uh, Nawaki, who's quite a well-established and relatively well-known in the horticultural industry as a, a topiary expert. Um, and he sells, um, he sells on the social, no he doesn't. Uh, he sells um, Japanese secateurs. And again, phenomenal. I go for the sort of, I, I guess I'm slightly attracted visually to them because they're they're hand forged and they're some of them are cast iron. They're very oldie worldy looking, very, very traditional in their design, extremely flipping sharp. Loads of different types, you know, flower snips and sort of curved ones. I don't know all the terminology. Um, and you can get them with sort of rubbery bits on the handles and stuff. I always take those off. Um, they're designed so that you can see them if you, you know, leave them in the grass or something like that. Um, not cheap, but it's coming up to Christmas and definitely worth the investment. Everybody who borrows my secateurs if we're in the garden or something always says, crikey, they're amazing, aren't they? Aren't they really good? Um, so they're my favourite tools for the garden, but often the simplest. You know, one of the things I've always got is a pen, like an old Sharpie marker, uh, the yellow one that no one ever uses. Why do they put the yellow ones in? Whoever uses a yellow Sharpie marker? I mean, a yellow mark, it doesn't sharpen anything, does it? Um, so... I always use that one. The yellow ones go straight into the greenhouse for sort of dibbing and you know, picking bits out and stuff. Um, but those, I think, are my two favourites. I've got loads of other favourites. I've got a lovely sort of, um, uh, uh, again, Japanese shovel, uh, sort of shovel-come-spade, I suppose. Probably more of a spade than a shovel. Um, but it's it's tapered. It's kind of heart-shaped, I suppose, um, or spade-shaped, <laughs> understandably. Um, but it's uh, got a slight point to it rather than it being flat, which means it, it's so much easier to use. Um, tell you the other cool thing about Japanese things. There's a saw. So one of the hand saws I've got, um, I forget what it's called now. I'll put it in the notes for you. I haven't got it to hand. I'm just looking over there where I've been gardening, uh, but I didn't bring it out with me because I didn't need it today. Um, but Japanese saws cut on the pull rather than the push. So you've got much more um power on the pull than you have on a push and it sort of seems in more intrinsic that you would you know pull towards you to cut something um so you see it takes a little bit of getting used to if you've used you know a western saw because the teeth are cut so that it you know the, the push is the um 
is the cutting uh, action. But once you got used to it, you'll never go back. It is phenomenal. And they cut through anything like butter, extremely sharp, including my leg. I dropped it once, that hurt. It didn't go through my leg, obviously. My legs aren't made of butter. Um, perhaps they're as smooth as butter. I don't know. My knees aren't. Look at that. Terrible. Muddy knees. Don't tell my mother. Um, so I think that sort of takes us to things to do in the garden. Now, like I say, I've been preparing, been stripping back, and that has been lovely. You know, I'm writing a book at the minute, and it sort of follows my journey in life through the seasons and how the different seasons in nature influence us. Um, and actually, you know, this is the time of year when we start to deadhead, start to take a lot of those taller things down, you know, get rid of the sunflowers that have gone over, the hollyhocks, the digitalis. Uh, you might have already done those, many people already have. Um, strip back some of those grasses and cut those right back. Maybe, you know, you're deadheading roses and still deadheading the other flowers to keep those coming. But there's a lot of plants that begin now to look a little bit more tired and you can pull those out and cut those right down into your borders. Um, a lot of seed heads that you should collect, you know, if you've got poppies or, um, I mean, there's tons of, there's loads of different things things that you can collect but I'm a big fan of collecting seed heads wherever there are dried flowers I cut those down go and store those somewhere because that's free seed for next year right so exciting when you get to do that um even the veg as well you know if you've not yet dug up all your potatoes and stuff that's something you can do so there's a lot of I guess preparation work that's what it feels like um a lot of preparing to sort of improve the garden and a lot of stripping back to see what we've got some areas of the garden have got a little bit out of control, a little bit wild. So stripping those right back to sort of see what we've got before I then start again and uh, add some, you know, you'll find out what gaps you've got and think about what plants to put in there. And like I said before, it's an ideal opportunity to think about something different. You know, could you maybe do little pockets of pollinator plants, you know, particularly go and find things that pollinators love, that butterflies love or moths or bees love or something like that. Um, so I think there's some really nice alternative ways of thinking in the garden that this time of year allows you to think a little bit more about. But also you can do, you know, slightly bigger planning. So as you start to open up the gaps, you could think, you know, we could put a little stool there or a chair or a bench. Or there's a big area of my garden I've been wondering what to do with. And I think we're going to go for a duck pond. So I'm going to dig a big uh, pond, put in some lilies, uh, some uh, wild planting around the edge of it uh, and, uh, and ducks. I've always wanted ducks. Um, and then there's a big area, you know, the orchard has just been all cut down. So that was all sort of um, wildflowers and grasses and stuff. So that gets stripped right back. It's mown, completely gone now. And now that that's opened up that space, it changes it. So you look at it in a slightly different way. Now, obviously, I'm talking en masse, and I appreciate that we've got a big space here and you might not have, and that's okay. You, you know, might be thinking about something that's, I don't know, a foot square. But when you thinned it out a bit, it looks different, so you can look at it differently and think, okay, what could I do with that? Maybe there's a shrub that goes there next year rather than plants. Maybe, you know, I couldn't keep up with the gardening this year, so I want to make it a bit more low maintenance next year. What if I, you know, cover a lot of that in gravel but put some flowering succulents in there? Maybe put some poppy seeds about, just let them do their thing. Um, there's a big area of the garden I'm going to um, uh, sow to poppies. And the same thing now that I'm looking at the orchard, I'm sat talking to you looking at it now, um, it's crying out for sort of little areas that I can strip the grass back and plant in, you know, little, I guess, beds, little individual pocket planting, I suppose. 
um, to create some little pockets or swathes of sort of flowers. Um, but actually I think it would look really nice if we dig up larger areas underneath each of the trees, put shed loads of poppy seeds and bulbs there, so that there's a, an abundance of not only colour, but food for you know pollinators. But also movement, because the lovely thing about poppies is they look so architectural. Now one or two look maybe a bit scraggly on their own, but when you've got a big chunk together, and they die back and they're just there at the dried seed heads and they blow about in the wind. They just look magnificent. And then of course you can cut them all down as and when you want to and keep the seeds. You've got free seeds going forward. It's sort of cyclical, I suppose. But as I'm feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling the weather change. The season's definitely changing. There are two things, I suppose, on opposite ends of the scale for me. One is I worry that we're all heading towards winter now, right? So your circadian rhythm is now looking towards sort of hunkering down, thinking about building fat reserves, thinking about you know, we're gonna be indoors a lot more because of the weather. Um, I mean, the true gardeners won't be, we'll still be outside, but not for as long, because we won't have, you know, the light. Um, and sometimes it will be that it's, you know, too wet and windy or whatever to be outside, so we have to call some of those days off. So there'll be less opportunity to be outside. And that worries me for everybody because actually being outside during the coronavirus has been an amazing tonic for so many people. It's been a crutch for many, and it's been a saviour for many too. And I don't know what that's replaced with. So I wonder if perhaps you should look at houseplants. I, want, I have no affiliation, this is just me thinking and talking out loud. I wonder if perhaps you should look at grabbing some artist materials, just go and grab, you know, go to a closing down sale or go look around, maybe just the back of uh, some scrappy paper or something like that, you know, some stuff that comes through old magazine or something, or go and find some old paper that you'd printed something off and the back's still blank. Um, I tear all those up and use them as like, you know, note paper and stuff, but grab some colouring pencils and just start to design bits of your garden. Doesn't matter if you're no good at drawing, you don't have to be, you'll know what it means. And maybe that's something that you can do, is planning a little more. Uh, maybe watching some videos, maybe looking online for sort of, I don't know, things to do with the garden, inspiration. You know, you go on Instagram or go on um, Pinterest or something like that. Um, and just begin to have another creative outlet for whatever it is. Might not be gardening, could be anything, right? Could be food. Um, that's another thing I'm looking at doing next year, is I we had a vegetable patch... Um, uh, vegetable garden and fruit garden with sort of planning in it hasn't quite worked out there's things in there that I'm never going to eat and I don't really like eating so I'm going to swap those around a little bit for next year um, that's all great stuff to think about and plan um, so I think the the sort of natural rhythm it feels to me like there is a a kind of I don't know, a, a cycle. And I am feeling different as we move, as the weather changes and the, the rhythm of nature changes. I'm kind of being pulled out of this slightly sort of lost limbo land of corona lockdown come terrible consequences. Um, you know, financially for everybody, it's been very difficult and commercially it's been like horrific. Um, but now, I'm actively stripping back in the garden. I'm actively cutting back dead wood, literally. I'm actively freeing up space. And the metaphors for real life 
for our now and our future are too close to, to ignore. I think it's something that we should all embrace. And for me personally, it has been a really important thing. You know, over the last 18 months of my own sort of personal journey, but certainly through lockdown, to just listen more to nature, to go with the rhythm. And I know that sounds a little bit flouncy, you know, it's sort of, I can imagine some people sort of go, oh, sort of wincing and going, oh no, he started listening to whale music, and next time we see him, he'll have a dream catcher as an earring. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, what I guess I'm saying is you have to remember that for thousands of years, human beings were at one with nature because we didn't have any other distractions. We didn't have the intelligence that we did now. But even up until the sort of pre-war, we were at one with nature. Farmers had a pig, some chickens, maybe a couple of cows, some vegetables. You know, they, they had insurance policies against things going wrong. They were self-sufficient. Then after the war, the government forced the, you know, all the farmers to mass produce in order to save the nation that was on its knees and about to starve and stripped out hedgerows and forcibly you know, farmed intensively right up to trees, all the things that we now know are terrible and shouldn't have been done. But nobody told them to stop. And so that all got carried away and we're still farming as if we're about to starve as a nation and yet we're not. Globally, we produce more food than we can actually consume, so it's no wonder, no wonder we throw so much away. If we went back to a slightly more... It's not even about being humble, but I mean, I'm a big fan of, of humility, but you know, if you go back to just that understanding that we don't need excess, we don't need everything that we can do, just because you can do it doesn't make it right, does it? So if we all just connected a bit and understood that there was, it's like all those really old, lovely farming terms, you know, that you, you don't harvest this until the first, you know, blossom turns and you don't sow that until the first bird chimes. And there, there are loads of those sort of little old, no, not even old wise tales, because of course they're true. Because it's about knowing that, you know, just because you think it's going to be, I don't know, the start of spring is March or April or whatever, nature knows when and what the weather's doing and when's it coming. So, you know, some years you say, oh, that, that blossom's late. And you think, hmm, there'll be a reason for that. It's because we're about to, you know, the conditions aren't right. So just because our time now, our, our lives are structured by time management and diaries and deadlines and opportunities that we've created for ourselves based on time, I think it would be a lot less stressful and a lot more enjoyable if we just looked at what nature was doing and tried to kinesthetically connect with it a little more. Um, I sort of feel like I've gone off on a little bit of tangent there, gang. But anyway, listen, what I wanted to do was share um, something with you. I've got a very special competition this month uh, for Book of the Month. It sort of ties into this talk that I've got. Um, we were approached by uh, Quercus Books. So you can go on Twitter on Instagram, uh, Q-U-E-R-C-U-S books, Quirkus books, um, because they have a new uh, book out. And the uh, book, which I, I think is absolutely flipping amazing, is called Bees and Their Keepers. Now, bear with me, okay, bear with me. Um, 
it's a beautiful book. I mean, it's hardback. It's this lovely kind of... Um, it's got some colour pictures in it as well. Um, it's got some b beautiful, beautiful uh, illustrations and, and photographs in there. But the, it's that lovely kind of textured um, sort of cloth back. Um, and I've got two copies of this book to give away. Uh, it's my book of the month this month. Um, it's called, uh, like I said, it's called Bees and Their Keepers. Now, if you're not into beekeeping, I think it's still something that you'd be interested in reading. Um, it, it's quite a light read, as in it's, it's easy to read. Um, it's not short, it's a you know, good sort of um, couple of hundred pages, I suppose. And it's by a lovely lady called, and I'm, I have no idea, she's Swedish, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but she's called Lotta Müller, I think. Uh, so Lotte is, um, or Lottie maybe, Lotte, uh, L-O-T-T-E, and M-O with an umlaut, double L-E-R, so I think that's Müller, isn't it? Um, anyway, she's super into gardening, super into um, uh, beekeeping and whatever, um, and what I really liked about it is due out uh, 17th of September, I think, something like that, um, so it's, it's, um, sort of a scoop, I guess, gang, so you can win a copy, uh, it goes through all the seasons, and centuries of beekeeping, but also talks to you about beekeeping, uh, beekeeping as well, and bees, sorry. So it explains the waggle dance and killer bees, right back to Aristotle through to Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's a real amazing... I, I was a bit reserved, I'm going to be honest, because I get asked a lot about recommending books and yada yada. Um, but she sort of goes through each month of the year, looks at different types of bee, what it meant historically, um... Uh, kind of anecdotes and she's quite a funny writer as well actually I quite enjoyed reading bits of it, I haven't finished it um, lots of history about bees and beekeeping but it, but it's not, you don't have to be a beekeeper, it's not I'm, not I'm not a huge fan of sort of intense subject books to recommend to other people because you know unless you're into that subject you wouldn't really like it but I think you'll really enjoy it, I, I found it a really really interesting sort of looks at some of the myths around bees um, I really liked it, really, really liked it. So I think you will, um, um, I think you'll find it interesting. Um, I think it's a fun book that you will take something from. Um, I'm just trying to think of how I would recommend it, um, you know, and why I'm recommending it if you're not a beekeeper, but I, I think it will do extremely well, is, uh, and I'm a huge fan of it. So anyway, I've got two copies to give away. Um, so what I thought we'd do is, uh, again, social media, head to at that Jez Rose, and um, I want a photograph of your favourite bee-friendly plant. Now, you don't have to have it. doesn't matter if it's not in your garden. doesn't matter if you think, oh, that's a shame it flowered in January or something. It might be a salix or a pussy willow or something like that. Um, they're one of my favourite bee-friendly plants. Uh, it's one of the first things to flower in the garden and I love that but um, you can take a photo you know a screenshot of something else just be sure that you've got permission to use uh, the image I have to say that whether you do or not it's entirely up to you tag me at that Jez Rose and um, you need to get it in by the 17th of September because that's when this book launches right so um, before the 17th of September tag me at that Jez Rose with your photo of your favourite bee-friendly plant, um, ideally with some sort of indication of what the heck it is, <laughs> because then we can share it. And what we'll end up creating is a kind of, I don't know, like a, a big kind of um, smorgasbord social media kind of, I don't know, sharing platter, if you like, 
of bee friendly plants and i like all sorts of plants but i think you know if you can plant and it'll create something good for the environment then that's got to be good too right um okay listen i'm gonna leave you with album of the month uh, because i've been listening to some music as well this month um and um i'm not a huge i guess album uh, listener uh but i you know i listen to music like probably lots of people do um uh, but I've been listening to one particular album this month uh, more than others. I mean, I listen to the Lumineers an awful lot, and I know we've um, uh, we, we've spoken a little bit about that before. Um, but there is uh, the Lumineers last year had an album. It's not new. I know Adam's into his newer um, albums called Three. Um, so and it's the Roman numerals one one one. Um, and I'm a big fan of the Lumineers. I like them. But there's a particular track on here which is incredible. Um, it's a bonus track and it's called Democracy and I think everybody should have a little listen to that. I've got a couple of really favourite tracks. Um, I quite like Gloria. I quite, I'm just looking at them on my phone. I quite like Salt and the Sea. Um, April was an unusual sort of little uh, uh, little interlude there, musical interlude, but, but Democracy is a really, really powerful, um, powerful thing. Uh, so you should all take a little listen to that. Um, it's been amazing, gang. It's difficult talking on your own, I have to be honest, because I sort of get worried that I'm warbling on about stuff that you're not interested about. And I've, you know, my eyes aren't painted on. I know most of you are here for Adam. Um, everybody loves the famous one. Um, and his soothing, dulcet tones. He gives a good hug, does Adam. I miss him, I have to say. It's been a bit weird doing it without him. But uh, hopefully all will be resumed for our final episode um, for September. So listen, uh, two competitions. One to win a copy of the book. I've only got two. One for, um, I guess, looking at um, if you want to enter the competition to come and be a guest <laughs> co-host or, or guest on the um, on the podcast of Series 2. Um, and uh, catch up with you on social media. That'd be really nice as well, wouldn't it? At that Jez Rose. And you can send frosty little messages to say, hurry up, stop being so busy. And... Uh, get back for our final episode of series one in september 2020 i hope there's something you've taken from this month's episode to do uh, think about your future think about something differently and get out there and enjoy the british countryside even if you haven't got a garden go for a little drive go for a walk find some hedgerows pick some blackberries oh i tell you what gang i had an amazing apple and blackberry crumble the other day apples from the garden blackberries from the blackberry bushes the brambles i used to hate those when i first moved in i stripped back all the ivy and stripped back all the brambles they did my nothing because i wanted to i just wanted to get back to nothing so i could work out what we had and then you know introduce stuff and you know what i love it now i got i'm looking at where the beehives are one of the apus at the bottom of uh, the other side of the orchard where i am uh, and all of the hazel fencing that i put up has got brambles that are all sprouting up all over the place and i'm just letting them do that because i think it looks lovely now and i've got free blackberries so <laughs> win-win <laughs> the bees are going to love the flowers the birds will love the blackberries as well i have to try and get there first so that i can get some of them would be nice and um, it's a nice bit of green. So there you go. Uh, I hope to see you very soon. You stay, take good care of yourself. And I will speak to you very shortly. See you again. Bye-bye.